Hello, everyone, and welcome to our encounter study today. We're looking at lesson number 11. This is for November 13th. We're talking about what God requires. This, woo, what God requires. This is going to be a good one. I am Becky Zardi. I'm the director of ministry of women for the ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And my co-host. I am Chris Fleming. I'm the director or I'm the adult ministries coordinator for the ministry council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Um, and so. Yay. Uh, nice to have you here uh, again here in a couple of weeks. We'll debut a new uh, new format, new setting. Yeah. Uh, a little deeper study um, into the encounter. Um, We're really excited. Please join along just like you have been. If you haven't joined along before, welcome. Yeah. Hit the buttons below, like, and subscribe. subscribe. Um, yeah. So um, I'll start by just saying I was at uh, the Gasper River, Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Auburn, Kentucky, or near Auburn, Kentucky. I think it's an yeah. Auburn, Kentucky address. Um, and I was treated well, and we had a good time. And um, appreciate the offer to come and speak. So Yay! Um, Pastor Barry Craddock out there. Yeah. Very good. Very good stuff. Uh, so far as introduction, the thing that I want to share today, I'm going to go ahead and share the screen so everybody can see it. Share screen two. Let's see if I do this right. Can you see WeSources, Becky? WeSources. Right. Yeah. So if you go to cpcmc.org forward slash WeSources, like resources, but a W, it'll take you to this page here. And then once you get to this page, you can click on the this setting, and that will take you to the wrong thing because that. I think you got to scroll down further. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, there we you go. go. Right. There you go. You got children, youth way down at the bottom of the page. Children, youth, adult study, and personal devotion. For our purposes today, we're going to click on adult study, and then you'll find two different studies. One for uh, the Gospel of Mark, but that is for Lent, so you don't want that for another couple months, but right here for the season of Advent, uh, you'll click that button and it'll give you the option to download this study. And this study can be used for five weeks of Lent or for Advent. And uh, mm -hmm. that's the same for the personal devotion and for, for the youth and for uh, children. And so if you want something to do for your church, that's a pretty good one. Now I'm going to stop sharing and I'm going to allow the Reverend to um, start introducing her stuff. Yeah, so uh, Pam Phillips Burke and I are putting on a CP clergy women's retreat. This will be December 9th and 10th. If you go to our homepage, we'll start sharing which, screen you're again. You're going to have to start sharing screen again. If you go to our homepage Voila. and on the very front, go to events and then women and then CP clergy women retreat. That is where you register. Um, you don't have to pay until you get to the retreat. It's only $25. It is one overnight. We're looking at 2 p.m. on Friday till 2 p.m. on Saturday. And it will be at Camp Clerk Williamson. So ladies, our clergy ladies, please register. Join us for a time of just getting away during the Advent season to restore and refresh ourselves. We're really excited about that. All right. Another event that's- Let, let me do stop. that again cpcmc.org okay. yeah women cleared your retreat bam yep there it is done register there let us know that you're attending another event that is up and coming and we will have information out on our social media next week about this will be november 25th at 7 p.m i'm hosting an online advent worship service i'm really excited about that 
um, just to kind of gather together before, before the first Sunday of Advent to just kind of get us in the mindset. Um, it'll also be a time of fellowship after our worship service where we can sit around on Zoom and chit chat. So really excited about that opportunity. Look for information coming this next week about it. Awesome sauce. All I think right. That's everything we have, isn't it? That's all I'm doing. Okay, good. Well, today our scripture selection comes from Micah chapter five, verses two through four, and chapter six, verses six through eight. Let's start with our prayer for illumination. It says, Lord, open our eyes to your word and give us the insight to always do justice in your name, share kindness with others, and walk close to you while we follow the example of your son. Amen. Mm. And our memory verse is Micah 6, 8. This hopefully is a don't know this verse. one. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, this one's plastered everywhere. So hopefully you know this verse. It says, he has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Yep. Love, love that verse. That's one of those verses that doesn't matter what side of the, the uh, theological spectrum you are, left or right. You should know that one. The That's uh, right. interesting thing is how you define those certain words, which Caleb will ask in our lesson. But anyway, yep. for now, we so, agree. Yeah. So Caleb starts us off on this discussion question. He says, have you ever struggled with the day-to-day -day concerns of your relationship with God? Have you ever wished for specific step-by-step -step instructions for strengthening your faithfulness? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Wouldn't be fun if we didn't. I know. I think we've all struggled with our day-to-day -day faithfulness. You know, I mean, I know as a minister, and we talked about this before, but as a pastor, e even somebody who does a lot of charity work, you can get so caught up in doing good things that you forget the reason that you're doing them for, you know, and then so. you take a step back and go, you know, what is my motivation? Is it just to do the good thing? Or is it that I'm really trying to do this because God's asked me to? You're glorifying God and helping people. Yeah. Um, I think I would note here on this. I mean, I think we've all done this and I think it's right to do. I mean, in your marriages or as a parent, you know, the most meaningful relationships in your life, I hope every once in a while you might take a step and say, you know, am, am I doing this right? Like, yeah. you know, am I close to the people I need to be close to? What do I need? So, and the other thing I would say, um, I think maybe sometimes too, people um, have higher expectations of themselves than God has for them. And they might see some of this wondering as a doubt, like, it, does the struggle mean I don't have enough faith or something like that? Am I not doing good yeah. enough? And I don't think that's it. I think it's just, um, yeah, I mean, I, we all wish that we knew how to serve God better, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that's that's part of the journey and the walk that we're on is understanding what exactly that means. Yeah, and in, in a, and I, I think I've, I don't know whether I've said this in a lesson that I've written in the future or one I've written in the past, I have no clue, but <laughs> it's when we get to the point to where we're not worried about this, like the Pharisees. They knew exactly, like they had no doubt they were doing God's will. Sure. And they weren't. They were terrible. Sure. So, and they did it horribly. Yeah. So when you get to a point that you figured it out, you haven't, you're lying to yourself, I think. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
So it's, it's one of those struggles that, you know, if you're, if you're walking through that struggle right now, don't feel like you're alone or, you know, I had, had one person come to me and this was a terrible story. Um, but I had one person come to me one time, was not a member of my church, but she came and she asked me one time, she said, I've been struggling with my faith and I've been really struggling with whether or not, you, you know, who God is and, and where am I in that journey with God and her pastor, I won't tell you what denomination she came out of, but her pastor told her that if she was struggling with her faith and she never had it to begin with. Yeah, I get that. And I thought, wow, that's terrible because I think everybody struggles. You know, we all have that day-to-day struggle of, are, are we doing this right? Are we following God the way that we're supposed to follow God? And I think those are questions that we ask ourselves all the time. Should. So if you're struggling, don't feel like you're alone because nope. you're not. And I like the way then that um, um, our writer, Caleb, Caleb. Um, I like, the, I mean, he, he opens us up, invites us in to say, hey, this is a familiar passage, but it's a yep. deep passage. And then hopefully by the end of this lesson, we thought it through a little bit. And that's yep. our goal in this, in our, in our session today. So that's good. Absolutely. So he says in the second paragraph there of the introduction, he says the verse seems self-explanatory, which sure it does. But when we start to unpack the implications of acting justly, of loving kindness and walking humbly with our God, it's remarkably easy to walk away from this text with more questions than answers. Yeah. I think that's a great way to introduce us to this text, because like you said, it, it, it's how do we define those things individually? How do we define those things as a community um, that makes this text have more questions sometimes than the answers. Yep. 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 Okay. So let's explore our scripture today. Let's look around. So he really gets us into Micah um, to start with telling us when Micah prophesied, which was 730 to to 690, somewhere around there. um, And that Micah lived in the Southern kingdom of Judah. So we have to remember after Solomon, when his son Rehoboam took over the kingdom split. So you have the two tribes that, that were in Israel. This has became the Southern kingdom of Judah. And then you have the 10 tribes in the North and this became the Northern kingdom of Israel. And he talks about Elisha last week when we talked about Elisha, he was a prophet to the Northern kingdom, but Micah is a prophet to the Southern kingdom. So that's where we are. Historically, we're talking in Judah, Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, and and oh, go ahead. Sorry. You're good. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I really like this whole little um, period of history for the Israelites is just neat. This is where you get like yeah. what he's speaking at. This is where you get, you know, like Isaiah uh, and his prophecies about the virgin mm-hmm. shall be with child and hey, don't, uh, you know don't partner up with uh, the Syrians because it's going to lead yep. to bad things. And, and so this, uh, this all just kind of comes into this little spot. If you have a uh, chronological Bible, it's pretty neat to read during this, this time, because um, you get a real full expansion of the prophets that were around at the times and hearing the different messages and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And that's really the next paragraph. He really talks about what a prophet is that they were teachers who'd been, 
commissioned by God to speak on God's behalf, and they did so with power and authority. That the prophets were masters of poetry and theology, and their writings managed to seamlessly weave events of the past, present, and future together into a tapestry of God's grace and judgment. I Love really that. Did like that phrase. Yeah, that was yeah. really good. Well done, Caleb. Yeah, well, so the reason I think that in some sense we're like, I call it the prophetic imagination. We've talked about it before, but it's like events of history, you could say hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, or these just random events of happenings. You can say, you know, politics when people are elected or when governments are thrown down, all of these can be non-connected. But what a prophetic imagination does is to try to see those events from God's revelation or to say, um, here's God moving or not moving or whatever. And so uh, that's why I really love that. The, the prophets had that imagination. They had that ear toward God and yeah. they were able to interpret things that were happening through the spirit. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, it's not like they were just smart and they figured it out, but they had that spirit leading them to say, here's how you write about these things. Here's how you think about things. And so and I think we can still do that today to an extent, but I think also people abuse the heck out of that. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like if you like you said, if you read through the chronological Bible, just the different prophecies that were given and the imagery that they bring forth. You know, I mean, I love like one of my, my favorite ones is of course the Valley of Dry Bones love the Valley of Dry Bones, but because it's this beautiful image of how God is still, still taking this nation that has been exiled, the people that have been exiled and still is going to work through them and bring them back to life and, and bring the breath of life back to this nation. I think that's, that's really one of my favorite um, images from the old Testament scripture, but so here we have uh, all these prophets, specifically Micah, who are talking to Judah and letting them know, look, y'all are in trouble again. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. says, the prophet Micah proclaimed strong words of criticism and judgment to the leaders of Judah on behalf of God. And I think that's the, that's the key that we always have to remember is that the prophets didn't speak in their own accord the prophet spoke because God told them to. Yes. Um, yeah. And normally people didn't like it. Um, I would just no. highlight in this, in this part, uh, the bottom paragraph on page 60, um, where it's a, where Caleb writes, it just so happens that Micah's ministry coincided uh, with intense political turmoil and restlessness in the lands of Israel and Judah. I just want to mm -hmm. keep that in the back of the mind because we're going to ask a question um, this discussion question when, whenever mm -hmm. you want to get to it. Yep. Kind of ask hop us. into it. You want, you want to hop into it? Yep. So the discussion question asks, do you ever find it amazing or strange that the prophets managed to speak to us today, spanning a gap of more than 2000 years and 6,000 miles? What do you find most challenging about examining the historical context of the Bible and applying it to your own place and time? Well, people are people, right? Yes. And no matter how much of your technological technological advancements, no matter how much, you know, you think civilization has grown at the core, we're still people. And so we have these reoccurring themes like, you know, yes. 
And so I brought that up because, I mean, I would say that, you know, the United States, the Western world, and the, I mean, the whole world, actually, it's not even just the Western world, the whole world is in political yeah. turmoil and restlessness. And yeah. guess what? This isn't going to be the last time. No, and it's not the first. <laughs> and so the, the best that we can do then is to see the principles behind which the prophet speaks. Like yeah. you have a king or a president or whatever, and they're acting out of fear or they're acting out of pride, which that's not a dig at the one in power now or the one in power last time because they're all that way. Yeah. And then you can see their decision-making is either usually uh, more important with the military or social issues or whatever else. And so you have these elements and then the prophet comes up and says, no, no, don't know. It's, it's about doing just loving mercy, walking with integrity or humility before God focus on these things. Because if you do that, the rest of it takes care of itself, but the rest of it will fall into place. That's what I say. I've been told I'm wrong. So, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that is okay. Because I don't think you're wrong because that's, that's really what it's, what it's about. And I think it's important, especially in today's time, because hmm, I hear it said all the time that we must be living in the end times. We look at all the things that are happening around us. And, and I think every age, every culture has probably said something similar because, you know, I mean, we've all gone through turmoil and war and political upheaval and economic upheaval. So is today really any different and, and then my next question would be, and, and if we are in the end times, of course, we've been living in the end times since Christ rose from the grave because we're just awaiting the second return. There's nothing you can do to stop it. No, but it's there is God's timing. So that's the trick. There is something to do while you're waiting. And yes. that's to Proclaim the gospel. Yeah, Share the message. Love kindness. Walk humbly before your God. Yep. Um, yep. So far as the... Uh, what do you find most challenging about examining the historical context? It's very easy for us to bring our, our culture to that culture. Yes. And, and you have to be careful with that because there is a difference. So like, you know, technically, I guess, depending on who you ask, you have a freely elected president and government in America. Um, you didn't in Israel. So that's one difference. Right. The other difference is your economies were completely different. We're completely different. We're, we're like a technological service oriented society and, um, uh, they were ag- agrarian and the best way to have more was to go conquer people. So like right. we're averse to war and they didn't like it, but I mean, like it was more of a, like we said last week, it was more of a normal, I mean, Kings went out to war in the spring. Yeah. Like it was a yeah. football game. You just go and do it. <laughs> and, and some of it is because you wanted more, you know, resources. Um, and, and we more still land. have that Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. More arable land where they could grow more crops, where they could, have more cattle and more sheep grazing, you know, I mean, these are all things that were important to the kingdom because you couldn't necessarily, I mean, you tried to trade with your neighboring kingdom, but it didn't always necessarily work. So if you had, you had the resources yourself in your own kingdom, it was better for you and your people. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is principles will stay the same because human beings don't change. Like, I don't, well, people say they can. I don't, human beings, just remarkable consistency are bad to one another. Um, And so um, that's what I would say is just that you can find principles for sure. 
but sure. be careful when you're trying to find them because it can lead you astray too. Yes. Um, and be careful applying your 21st century mindset yeah. to, you know, the fourth century to eighth century culture who had very different morals and motives than what, than what we would have today. Yeah. Good point. Okay. All right. Well, let's dig a little deeper. There you go. That's pretty good. (laughs) Thanks. So Micah chapter five. Yes. Um, Yeah. So Micah, obviously, I think in the next um, encounter, if I'm remembering correctly, there's a discussion about, and we've had it in the past, anytime Christmas comes up, Micah comes up because you do have this prophecy of, of the coming King. Um, You have the prophecy of, of, the Messiah being born in Bethlehem and the stars and these kinds of things. And so um, it's, it's relatively important. I just, um, uh, since the that's the first paragraph under the digging deeper section, since the earliest beginnings of the post-resurrection Christian movement, followers of Christ have pointed to the words of Micah five, two through four, as one of those transcendent pieces of prophecy that point directly to Jesus. And it is easy to see why Micah's prophetic announcement of a King who will rule on Israel's behalf, on behalf will rule Israel on behalf of the Lord includes several meaningful details. And then he goes in and he talks about those. Um, and the one that he really lifts up is in five, two B is, uh, this King will be one whose origins of are from old and ancient times. Um, and so there's a little debate on exactly what that means, but yeah, I mean, I'm with Caleb. I mean, it points back to either which way, right? Yeah. Either which direction you go whether you look at it as because he's from the line of David or because he's from, because he's the son of God and was there in the beginning, either which way it points to Christ, which way. And, 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 uh, and again, keep in mind, I mean, like, I'm not even gonna lie. Wouldn't, don't you just yearn for in political turmoil? I mean, in today, don't you just yearn for a righteous King or righteous government, or just, you don't want things to be perfect, but at least people who try. Uh, yes. And, and I think that's probably what the Israelites were feeling, like the vast majority of the people. While at sure. the same time, Micah's, you know, talking about how terrible the government is. I think that, I think that's where we're at here in America too. I mean, just like, Lord, how long? And like, yeah, is something a little better than what we got. And so yeah. um, maybe when Micah spoke it, it was just words of hope, but then obviously through the Holy spirit and through, um, God's plan of redemption, it meant something really great. And, and so maybe our desire for a better government is actually a deeper desire for the Messiah. Maybe. Mm, mm. Ooh, I like that. That's a really, that's a really good thought because I think you're right. I think we do, you know, I'm sure just like the Israelites questioned, how long are they going to be continuously conquered and taken off of their land and then allowed to come back and then taken off their land and conquered again? And how long is that going to go on before their Messiah showed up? Of course, we have to remember too, that at that time, they thought their Messiah was going to be military, a military might, a military power. Um, and that's not that's not who Christ was no, and that's not what it was meant, but that's who they thought they were going to get was the military power that was going to reestablish this kingdom on earth and kick all the oppressors out. Right. 
Yeah. And I said, not just, yeah, if you include in the oppressor, just the, the Jewish ruling authority, like as yeah. long as that's included, it's not just like the Arameans or the Syrians. It's like our government's terrible too. And they're taking yeah. advantage of us. And so, yeah, that, and I think that probably answers that middle discussion question. That's kind of yeah. where I got it from, but, um, so, but so that, I love, oh, go ahead. You're moving that middle forward. discussion question. Yeah. It says, what do you think it would have been like to hear Micah's words during the chaos of the eighth century BC in Jerusalem? And what questions would you have regarding this new David who is to come? And I think you're right. I think we've, we've answered yeah. a lot of that. I mean, I think what we're feeling right now, when we think of our political system, mm-hmm. um, of course, we don't have wars going, well, you know, you got the Russian war, but we're not involved yeah. in that technically, but we are supporting it. But I mean, it's, you're just thinking, well, this is crazy. And just, a, just one king that's, that's just not sure. crazy would be great. Yeah. I don't know that we have a physical war going on, but I would, I would argue and say that we have a psychological war. Yeah. There's a cultural war and a yeah. psychological war and there's all kinds of wars going on. And, and I think a good ruler, and, and again, we bucket the term ruler in America, but, but just a good governmental system, like a functioning one would really help. And I think so we can get just a tiny taste maybe of what um, the Israelites in the century sure. were, were feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he moves on from, he says, moving from Micah's brief words of messianic hope, the prophet paints a vivid picture of a courtroom in session. Yeah, this is really cool. If y'all have never noticed Yeah, that, I like this. It's really So let's cool. talk about this courtroom going on here. Yeah, so basically like uh, it's men, it's, like it's not our modern day courtroom, but it would be like a Jewish court, like uh, where uh, God then says, look, what have I done to you? Like, what have I done to you to make you so terrible to me? Um, and really, in one sense, I like the courtroom because God says, okay, we're going to figure this out. But then I kind of don't like the courtroom thing because I think, you know, it, it, it's, that isn't just a clean, dirty, here's the question. It's a heartfelt cry in some sense from God that says, I have done everything. It's like, uh, it's a spouse who's been cheated on 50 times Mm -hmm. uh, in marriage. And that spouse still loves the one who cheated, but like, it just hurts and it hurts and it hurts. And you finally scream out, what is left? I ain't got nothing in the tank. Thank God is God. And he has stuff left in the tank, but sure. But I think that's how we, so anyway, in this sense though, it's in a courtroom. And so it is a, question directed to a witness and the Israelites are the witness probably in this thing it would be the Jewish ruling authority more so than mm-hmm. the common people sure. but, um, but anyway that's the setting of it and this is this is this back and forth then between between the God and then the Israelites and he says in the bottom of that first paragraph I really I really thought this was great. He said, God had given him, speaking of Micah, the undesirable task of pleading God's case before the people who had turned away from God. And I think, gosh, what a difficult task Micah had to have been given. Of course, all the prophets, if we think about the prophets, they were strange people and, and probably by society were like, y'all are weird. You know, uh, I, I can't say that they were probably the most popular people in Israel ever. No, no. I mean, you'd still think, I'm sure that even if you liked them, you'd be like, hey, a little strange. <laughs> a little odd. A little odd. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and so I guess in the next paragraph, this is when then we get to Micah 6, 7, and 8. Uh, mm-hmm. six six seven and eight which is which is awesome i mean like yeah so let's just imagine that then the jewish ruling authorities actually said yeah you know what how, how can i restore this relationship so micah six uh, verse six and seven with what shall i come before the lord and um well i'll read his quote with what shall i come before the lord and bow myself before god on high shall i come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Should I give my firstborn son for my transgress or my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So um they're taking it serious, right? Yeah. In this imagined court case. Yeah. Um and so, like, I think that's a projection. Like they've sinned so much. Maybe God would be happy if I gave God absolutely everything I had and everybody else's stuff, and I and I did it. And then the response is kind of, you know, kind of weird, mm-hmm. uh, really, when you think about it. And the response yeah. is Micah 6, 8. Well, tell you what, let's not do that. Let's just say, um, act justly, mm-hmm. love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Yeah. Right? Totally unexpected. Yeah. Um, because we have to remember that they were in a culture of of sacrifice. I mean, this was, this was their culture. This is how they appeased themselves before God was to offer sacrifices for their wrongdoings was to bring their tithes and offerings to the temple. And Micah says, well, instead of doing all this sacrificing, what if you just did this? Yeah. What if you just, you know, was a living sacrifice, try that, see how that works guys. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's good, and and I've done some. I don't know why. I have no idea why that I've got this in the front of my mind, but I use this verse a lot in my mind when I think, like, people get it wrong when they think Israel achieved salvation or righteousness before God when they were doing the works of the law. I don't think that's true. I think this is the discussion question. So before I jump in, I'll wait until we get there. But um, okay. But anyway. I, the other thing I want to point out in this in this whole paragraph, the bottom paragraph on 62, is that Caleb asked us a great question. He says, each of us have to ask this universal question in life. Is there anything that we can do to make it right with God? Yeah. No. No, I mean, we're beyond the pill. Not a thing. Yeah. Not a thing. Yeah. That, that is that whole God's grace. God has given to us this beautiful and free gift. And I think that's where Micah was trying to get at, you know, it had nothing to do with all the sacrifices. I mean, you could bring all these calves, you could bring your firstborn, you could bring whatever, but what if we live, what we're, like you said, if what we're this living sacrifice, what if we acted justly and, and loved kindness and walked humbly with God? What, what about that instead? Yeah, let's at least try it, you know? Give it, a, give it an attempt. So then the discussion question says, as Christians, we know we're saved by faith alone and that no amount of good works can bring us to salvation. However, Micah seems to claim that acting justly and loving kindness are how we can return to the right relationship with God. How do you think these two ideas relate to one another? Are they contradictory or do they use different ideas to communicate the same message? Um, so again, I, I've thought about this for whatever reason. I guess it was because of a encounter lesson I 
edited for spring. I don't remember what it is, but like in the Bible college, I remember one of my professors think, saying, and, and I think he's right. Of course, this was really reformed for a Church of Christ guy, but he said, you know, the Israelites were saved by looking forward to the promise of grace in Christ. They didn't mm. know his name was Christ. They didn't know. They knew something was going to happen. And so they didn't ever intend the law or works to be the basis of the of their grace or their love of God. Sure. It was a it was almost as if it was a confession of faith, a hymn book. It was, you know, a, a guide to life, just like we would say, you know, scripture is because we look backward to the um, cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Um, mm -hmm. And so here's what I would say, like when you become spirit, spiritually mature, you act justly, you love kindness and you walk humbly with your God, better or worse, depending on the day. But it's not about necessarily doing it. It's about being it. It's like you're transformed from your heart. So out of the overflow yeah. of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're in relationship with God. Then the, that's what you do. And if you're not doing those things, then it's not because you're not trying hard enough. It's because you don't care. <laughs> like, right? Like, sure. So that's how I would um, say how these ideas relate to each other. I don't think Micah here was, was saying, you know, stop doing bad, start doing good. He's trying to say, get connected with God. Yeah. And then yeah. reflect God's nature. I yes. think is what you're trying to say. I think that's the whole idea of the New Testament scripture, fruit bearing. Yes. Yeah. And and that's, yes. Good job. Yes. Yeah, that's the that's, best way to say it. Yeah. Because if you are, if you are rooted in God and your tree has plenty of, of water and sunlight and fertilizer, then you're going to bear fruit. Right. Uh, but if Psalm, you're Psalm not one. rooted. Yeah. 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 Psalm one. You're like a tree planted by the water. I mean, it's yeah. not like you can't produce fruit of your own. You have to be connected with the source. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yay. Yeah. Get her done. <laughs> yeah. These so um I don't think they're they're contradictory. And it, it also the other one that it really brought to my mind was, you know, uh, Matthew. I forget the chapter because that's not where my brain works, but the two greatest commandments, you know, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If if you are if you are spiritually rooted, if you are really following God and, and, and trying to, you know, again, better or worse, we have better days than others, then you're going to give God everything that you have and everything that you are. Because See. you recognize that this is, this is the, this is the right way. This is the better way. And then you're going to love your neighbor as yourself because, right. because again, it goes back to that bearing fruit. So that's all I have from that. Well, you know, and I'm reading through this learning from the scripture section. Basically the learning from the scripture is the discussion of the discussion question, I think is how. Okay. It, so I would just say our confession of faith in uh, 4.22. I think that what you just said is illustrated in what we as Cumberland Presbyterians believe when, when it says, Believers never achieve sinless perfection in this life, but through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, they can progressively be conformed to the image of Christ, uh, thereby growing in faith, hope, love, and other gifts of the Spirit, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what you were just saying. I think that's, yeah. you know, we're we're not uh, Pentecostal holiness people, uh, right, that no. believes in like a second, or Methodist to an extent. I think Methodists actually believe in like a second kind of like uh, 
um, working of the Holy Spirit to where you, I think in Methodist, um, it's, uh, I forgot how they quote it, and I might be wrong. I don't think I am. That's where I get in trouble. Uh, where they believe that you can live, you know, without committing conscious sin, like Methodist, and, and you know, so Methodists used to be big on the holy clubs, and they would ask each other, you know, were you doing right with your money and your mind and your heart and all that jazz? They would do that. But then you have like the Pentecostals that are like sinless perfection. Like, you know, sure. once you get the spirit in there, they believe, you know, you can live, you know, pretty, pretty. And we, we're not that, right? Um, no. And on the flip side, we're not uh, antinomians. Like, we don't believe that now since Jesus paid for it, that's it. But we believe in a right. connection with Jesus Christ by faith in which the Holy Spirit lives in your heart and you're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Mm -hmm. I think that's where Caleb was getting at in that third paragraph down. He said, it's a bit of paradox that we can progressively conform to the image of Jesus Christ while continuing to know a sinful nature. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really because we are sinful that that's just, we're humans. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes, but at the same time, we should be growing in the image of Christ. You know, we should be daily trying to striving to walk with him and, yeah. and change who we are, um, and how we see the world around us. You know, the, the more that I have grown, I, I can just say from my own personal experience, I look at the world around me now with, with a different set of lenses before it was like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do better? And now it's, now it's like, you know, I have love in my heart for that person because I recognize they're not, uh, they're not in the same place that I am yeah, and I and, shouldn't expect them to be because they have not walked the same path I have. And so this goes back to that other discussion question. You didn't do that. Like you didn't just like say, okay, I'm going to put down these glasses and no. now let me get those glasses. What happens yeah. is, is that God transforms you and then you can. Yes. And so the, the work isn't to quote unquote, do these things. The work is to fall in love with Christ. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit changes your vision. Then you act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with the Lord your God. That's the outgrowth. But the, the work is to love, mm -hmm. not, not just to do. So, mm -hmm. anyway. yes. Yep. I think James has that right. James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And I think we can, we can go either direction on that. You could hear the word and not do it, or you can do it, but never hear it. Right. You, you, it's a, it's a both. And you have to be heart. able to hear and yeah. And have that heart change and then be able to do and it's same kind of like what we were talking at the beginning. You can be so amazing at doing things that you forget the reason and the intentionality of why you're doing them. And it's to glorify God. It's not for your own glorification. It's not for your own, you know, look at me. I'm so great. I can do all this stuff. And, and obviously I'm a good person. So I'm going to be saved. That has nothing to do with it. Has you do it because it, this it's this outgrowth of love that God has given you. See. Discussion question. Um, Anything yeah, else this is a, this is a huge, big thing. Like, what does it mean to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? And, and I, I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but like, um, what I think is justice probably isn't the same thing that somebody else's justice. Sure. And, and what I think is mercy or kindness isn't the same thing of what other people would be kind. And like I said, mm -hmm. I've, and, and here, like, 
on my theological journey, I probably, when I first started in ministry, was very, very, very liberal in my theology and social stuff. But then I sat in people's homes where moms and dads like beat their kids and, and I'd call um, child services and I'd see nothing happen. And I'm, and so I would adjust my expectation. Kindness doesn't mean that I'm allowing or enabling bad behavior. Right. But oftentimes, whether it's governmental programs or how you deal with families in the church, um, it's not kind to continue a place to where like a kid's getting beat. No. It's not kindness, even though like, and, and I say that because we, I remember a session meeting we had where, you know, a church member wanted us to give some money to a family in which I had seen that happen. And I'm like, look, we that can't, we no, like, no, can't do it. Um, and this other church member said, well, how can the church be so mean? And I'm like, well, you don't know the story. I didn't say that because it's not right. my purview. I'm Brad, but I'm just thinking, yeah, this ain't kind. Right. I, I think you're right. I think there's there's a very fine line between being kind and caring and being enabling. Yeah. And so and, and where is that line? Right. And so and that's it's why different I this for is every hard. situation. It's every situation. And then to be just, who am I being just to? Am I being just to that kid? I had a real hard time with this one. Like, what what does justice mean for the kid or for the family or for or for poor? Uh, you know, how did like I just I don't know. Yeah. And, and and so this is where I've I've come to like the the first two act just love mercy forces you to walk humbly mm. because you just sure. don't know what to do a lot of times. You ain't got to figure it out. That's that's one experience. I mean, that's probably minutia. Ultimately, you could say, if you see a wrong, try to make it right. If you see somebody in need, try to fill the need. Right. But yeah, I'm just saying at a fundamental level, there is, what does it mean to be just scripturally? Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What about you? No, I, th- I think you're, I think you're onto it. I think uh, Caleb says in the bottom paragraph, page 63, he says, perhaps it's not in the process of answering, but in asking and pondering these questions that God meets us and helps us understand the unexplainable. This is the power of the prophets to answer impossible questions with simple remarks and invite us on a never ending journey with God alongside. Right. And I, I think that's it because I agree with you 150% you know, what is it? Because I I have a lot of friends who fight for justice, but who are we harming in the process of fighting for justice? And is that just, is that merciful? You know, uh, I I think it's each situation is a little bit different and, and it requires, and it requires exactly what you're saying. It requires you to walk humbly with God. Um, and to trust and rely on him for the answers because we don't have, we don't have them because we can never know the whole story. I, I don't think we have that ability, um, you know, just kind of like your, your elder didn't know the whole story of what was going on in that family. I will never know the whole story of what's going on in somebody else's head and what's going on in somebody else's heart. Yeah. And it gets harder only, the yeah. more you back down i mean like i said that's just that was a minute example like that was a micro example but the more it comes out i mean what does it mean for a society to be just 
Like, does yeah. it mean that, I mean, I don't know, it's hard. And so yeah. it should call for some humility. Yes. So let's apply the scripture. <laughs> he brings us back to math. Okay, right. Caleb, I, I don't like math, but I'm thankful that you made this easy. So acting justly plus loving kindness plus walking humbly with God equals sanctification. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that is good. So that's what we're doing. We're just, um, he says in the very last sentence, he says, we may we remember that God allows us to grow each and every day to grow closer to God in service to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah. It's a good discussion question too. I mean, you could think of a tangible way that you could implement act justly, love kindness and walk humbly into your daily routine. Um, mm -hmm. Which of the three do you feel you have the easiest time implementing? Hmm. Um, you know, since I'm perfect, um, yeah, I guess I would have to say humility. I, I don't know. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, again, I don't know. I, I hope that, uh, I have a level of kindness toward people. Sure. So like now there's probably one or two people in my mind that I could be kinder to. There's two people in this world that can rile me up. Um, so maybe I can yeah. walk an extra mile or something and do, do some good and calm down. So maybe that's, it. I think, I think we all have those people in our life. The ones that are like oil and water. Are you going to name names? Would you like to name no, some names? <laughs> I'm not going to name names. <laughs> Confessions there are good, some Becky. people that I love dearly, but it's just like mixing oil with water. Yeah, I just yeah. all right. That's well, all we've got. That's all we got. We got after this a couple more lessons, and then we have our winter quarter. Looking forward to Advent. And uh, so, yeah. like she said, like and subscribe. Um, if um, if you know somebody who hasn't been using the encounter or church, uh, sing our praises because um, I think we are writers and. Becky and I, we work hard to try to make this the best resource for Cumberland Presbyterians that we possibly can. So um, I appreciate everybody who's who's using it. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much for your continued support. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, friends. We'll see you next Amen. week. Bye, everyone.